0: Hello, hello there. My name is Morin with my co-host, Corey. We are The Real Guys, and this is The Real Show with two E's. Today we are heading out into the galaxy, into the known universe, to review a film which I don't think many people will expect. No. But, as always, I'm coming my co-host, Corey. How are you doing today, Corey?
1: I'm doing very well, thank you.
0: Good. It's nice to hear you, and it's nice to see you on our video version. Yes. How many times am I going to plug the video version? I feel sure people who listen to this by only audio are sick of me talking about this by now. Yes. But we have our video version that is on our YouTube channel, the Real Show, the Real Two E's L Show, and you can able to watch us on our video version as well as listen to us on Amazon, Apple Podcasts, anywhere iTunes, anywhere your podcast will be there, and also with our new rebranded look. We're coming at it. We're coming at it fresh. We've been working on it for a while, a bit of a secret project, and we're we're taking the nation by storm. Correct. We're 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 hitting out with a with a strong, swift strike. And our new look, it's 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 wonderful. It's stark. It's got the great colours. We've got a new poster out as well. So we hope you all enjoy our new look, new revived look for the real show. But as always, I'm with my co-host Corey. How are you doing today, Corey?
1: I'm doing very well, thank you.
0: Good. Could you perhaps explain to the listeners what we'll be talking about today?
1: Yeah. So, we're going to go a bit bit back in time. Mm. 1984.
0: Well, yeah. Well, in slew of something that's happened recently. Yes. In slew of 2021. Exactly. And uh, in slew of um, the, the, the great Oscar-winning film that is um, Denise... I'm trying not to butcher his name. I'm sorry. Uh, Denise Villeneuve. yeah. Uh, his 2021 Dune, the adaptation of Frank Herbert's 1965 novel. Yes. And we're going back all the way back to 1984. Exactly. As Corey said. Yep. With who's Dune? David Lynch's David Dune. David Lynch's Dune from 1984. Yes, we 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 both watched it. Yeah. And now we're going to give you our thoughts and our review, and our real rating. So when you sat down to watch this film, yep. Corey, was there anything you were expecting?
1: Uh. So I've seen David Lynch's films before, Mm -hmm. so I'm very aware of his style of filmmaking, per se, Um, and the fact that he can be a bit strange and a bit weird. Mm. Other than that, I knew it was sci-fi. I knew it was set on a planet, a very sandy planet and a somewhat basic premise of Dune. I was just expecting a weird somewhat sci-fi. Somewhat
0: basic premise of Dune?
1: No, as an I, I had a oh, basic understanding. Like, okay, okay. okay. Not, no, not, I'm not saying The premise Dune. is not somewhat basic. No, it's not. No, we
0: could spend an entire episode <laughs> talking about the premise of Dune. Yes. Now, it throws a lot of terminology at you early. We get Princess Irulan, mm-hmm. who is the daughter of uh, the Emperor of the known universe, and she explains that it's 10,000 years in the future. This is the first lie that Dune tells you, right. Glory, because Dune lies to you. Okay. It's not 10,000 years in the future. It's actually 20,000 years in the future. Oh. It's 10,000 years A.G., which is after the establishment of the Spacing Guild. Oh. So it's actually 10,000 years A.G., so after Guild. So it took him 10,000 years to actually leave. <laughs> and then 10,000 years have now passed, and now we have it's 20,000 years in the future, so there you go. Great. And what does Princess Irulan explain?
1: Yeah, so she turns up and she's essentially kind of explaining a brief... Like like a, a, a synopsis of why we're here. Yes. And then she's like, oh... She's giving you the cheat sheet. Yeah. And she's like, blah, 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 spice, blah, 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 mm. blah Arrakis
0: which was actually explained to several um, American movie theatres, actually handed out in 1984, actually gave out cheat sheets to (laughs) you, explaining much of the film's setting.
1: That's how you know you've done a good job. Some of the
0: obscure vocabulary, when they have to give you a dictionary and say, look, before you go in and watch this film, this is what all (laughs) these words mean. So, that's she how you... explains that spice, yes. which is also called the Spice Milage, but mm. more commonly referred to as spice, spice, is the most valuable substance yes. in the universe. And there's only one place you can get spice, yes. and that's on the planet Arrakis. Correct. And for the last 1,000 years, the planet Arrakis has been governed by House Harkonnen. And more specifically, by the Baron Vladimir Harkonnen and his nephew, uh, known as the Beast Raban. Yeah. Right. However... On, on the planet Caladan, yes. we have House Atreides, who is ruled by Duke Leto Atreides, uh, his wife Jessica, who is a Bene Gesserit, which is a uh, sort of witch sect um, of sort of powerful mental uh, psychic witches, and there's son Paul Atreides. Yes. Right. And now we're going to take a bit of a, a stop because we're going to go to the planet Kite. We go everywhere yeah. in this film. This film is jumping from planet to planet, person to person. The cast is massive. Anyway, now we go to the planet Kai-10 and the Emperor... You know what the Emperor's name is? Emperor. It, no, he's not. He's called Shaddam Karino uh, IV. Okay. Um, so anyway, Emperor Shaddam Fourth is the Emperor of the known universe. Well, he looks cool. I like that guy's outfit in the film. He's got the sort of military jacket. Booklet, he does. has got that cool cape. He does that cool thing where he like f- swishes the cape would. Do you, w- see, the, it, it do you would- see the cape swish?
1: Yeah, it would be cool if he doesn't appear... Cause he does the whole thing where, like, he tells the dog to leave. So you must yes. go. And then he flicks his cape off. but yeah. then just immediately cuts to another scene. And then eventually comes back to him.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's back on, I think.
1: I thought... I thought, I was waiting for, like, the camera to pan. And there's someone else. And they're about to have a fight. But no. It oh, okay. just, just cuts away.
0: Okay. But... Uh, the Emperor... Thinks that House of is becoming more popular in the yes. Landsrad. Yes, the Landsrad is like Parliament. That's how I explain it to someone who's probably never seen Dune. Yeah, the 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 universe, the known universe, is run by three groups: the Emperor and that's the Imperium. He runs the Imperium like you know the Empire. Yeah, he runs the uh, Galactic Imperium, uh, which is the Alliance uh, of planets. Then we have uh, the Landsrad, which is like par- which is like Parliament. All the great houses get together in a in a commune and speak on on issues within the universe. Then we have the Spacing Guild and they control transport. Yeah. The Spacing Guild control um, basically what gets where and whatever. And all the houses have shares in something called the Chome Company. If they mention that, and that is like um, it's an acronym for something, but the Chome Company basically control trade, and they control where the what, who owns what planet and where the. And where each of the allegiances kind of go to whatever planet is owned by whoever, right? And the slightest sort of stock change can influence entire planets going to other houses or whatever. But the Emperor fears that House Atreides are growing more popular in the Landsrad. So he gives Arrakis, which is the most, one of the most, you know, um, very. It's got the spice on it. Arrakis has the spice on it, so everybody wants that. So. The Emperor gives Atre- the Atreides Arrakis in hopes that you know, a, governing it will be very hard. Yeah. And B, he wants House Harkonnen to gather their troops so House Harkonnen can launch a uh, surprise attack on House Atreides and wipe them out. Correct. By using the Emperor's um, elite troops who are called the Sardaukar. So. And however, at the start of the at the start of Dune, we get to see the Emperor and we get to see Kaiten and the Imperial Palace and all that. And then we see um, the Guild Navigator yeah. who turns up because the Spacing Guild wish to know what this what this great plan the Emperor has cooked up. So they send in the Guild Navigator who, by the way, looks he looks so weird, but he looks so fantastic. <laughs> like I cannot get I cannot deal with this guy. Right? He turns up in like a big minibus kind of thing. I literally thing. have it written down. And what do you have it written down? I have written down in my notes. notes.
1: Um... Where is it, where is it, where is it, where is it? It's at it the start of the film, I think. It is. Weird bus no, thing.
0: Weird bus thing.
1: <laughs> and translating microphone.
0: Yeah, weird bus thing.
1: Because the guy talks and it auto-translates what you saying.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Spacing Guild <laughs> yeah. people. So the navigator turns up and he's like, what's going on with the Rack Iraq- the Gracchus? It's a Trades kind of thing, yeah? yeah. He looks like a big kind of... Wh- like, it's like a big whale kind it's of... It's a wee...
1: yeah. In the in
0: the books they're sort of described as very fishy yeah. and very kind of fish mutant like, even though I don't think they paid attention to that. I think he just thought, hmm. Then <laughs> it's described that the A, it's described that no one has ever seen a navigator. Yeah. Unless you're a very high ranking member of the Spacing Guild, which apparently not a lot of people are. And B, it said they don't look human. So yeah. it maybe just went off that, even though it's described in later books they sort of look like sort of fish people, sort of mutants. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he looks like kind of a, like a worm with a very big head, yes. like a big whale yes. kind of thing. And do you know what his name is? Do you know what the guild navigator's name is? Fishboy. No, Edric. Oh, okay. So <laughs> very basic name for a yeah. uh, for his character. There's a little anyway. bit isn't it. Yeah, Edric. Yeah. <laughs> Edric. <laughs> yeah, that's what his name is. And he's actually um, the the guild navigator from the second book, Doom Messiah. Oh, okay. So he appears in this one as well um, because there's there's not actually a navigator that's actually seen in the first book. <laughs> So, you don't see one in the um, in the twenty twenty one version either.
1: Uh, I see, see so that's see accurate. Yeah, going off source material.
0: Exactly, exactly. You just see a Guild Envoys, but that's it. Yeah. So Edric yes. says, um, I'm, I'm going to call him that. Okay. Edric says, what's going on, Emperor? And Emperor's like, well, you know, there's House of and there's Arrakis, and I've and I've ordered the Harkonnens to leave. they have going to to come back. Yes. So then they're going to attack him, They're going to get rid of House of for me, basically. Yeah. Um, and Edric says, right, that's sound.
1: Yes. So he, goes, he goes, right where sound, by the way, it was this kid called Paul. Paul, yeah, well, get rid of him for <laughs> yeah, it. Don't like Paul. Don't like Paul Atreides,
0: because <laughs> they can see the future. Yeah. Because Guild Navigators have the power of something called prescience. Yes. Which means basically, if you take a lot of spice, you can, well, anyone does it. If you take a lot of spice, it, A, prolongs your life. It's like a medicinal. It's also a drug. It's a narcotic. Yeah. And apparently, it tastes different. and smells different every time you try it. Apparently, initially, to Jessica, which is the um, Paul's mother, yeah. it... It smelled like cinnamon the first time you tried it. Yes, but apparently it changes every time. So,
1: can I put out? Go on. thought so like, this must have been, what? Maybe the first, 10, 15 minutes? How far? Yeah, I, how, yeah. So I, I. This is a
0: two over two-hour film. It is.
1: So so at this point, right? Maybe fifteen minutes in, um, I get to my notes. I literally write down. Uh, I can tell this film will be a fever dream. <laughs> And that, you're
0: on Spice as we're doing this it took me um, 15
1: minutes to then go I can tell this film is just going to be a complete mess
0: it will be I think it is a complete mess and that's the best way to describe yeah. it
1: it's like one of those things where you sit down and you go what, what is that what is that what and is going but then, on but then five minutes later it one ups itself constantly <laughs> with
0: something else yeah. with something else that's even weirder and even stranger than that, yeah. So we go from house we go from house Carino on Kite in to I think to Caladan, yes, to meet the Atreides, and yeah. then Patrick Stewart is in this film. He There's is. no other way to say it. He's Gurney Halleck. He was hired by mistake, which is the best thing. Do you know this? <laughs> no, I did not. Right, okay. <laughs> A bit of trivia uh, for you. His casting as Gurney Halleck, the sort of master of master of arms at the yeah. Atreides. Um, Castle on Caledon. Yes. But that's, uh, he wasn't actually supposed to have this role. Oh. In a rush to replace another actor, uh, actor David Lynch thought he'd hired someone else who was called Patrick Stewart and didn't realise he'd hired <laughs> the actual right. Patrick, Sir Patrick Stewart. So okay. there you are, and we've got him in this film. And I did not picture. Gurney Halleck is supposed to be a very sort of um, hunched-over yeah. kind of hunchback kind of character who's a bit, you know, very worn from wars and stuff like that. But Patrick Stewart just looks like, you know, a Dickensian gentleman <laughs> in, his, in his military jacket and his yes. big guitar thing he's carrying. Yeah, yeah
1: the thing he carries once. His musician, yeah. To, to reference the fact that he does play music in the books. Yeah, he does play music in the books. Yeah, and his character it. is a musician in the books. <laughs> so. David going, we know we know he's a musician. I'm not going to reference it. Yeah, carry this He's got one.
0: And then he comes into um, Paul's room yes. with uh, the Mentat Thuf- Thufir Hawat is yeah. his name. A lot of na- There's a lot of names in Dune, so get ready. Um, Thufir says, you know, we're heading to Arrakis, the Emperor's given us it and we're going to move over in a few weeks and then uh, Duncan Idaho who is played by Jason Momoa in the 2021 version, not in this one obviously, um, Duncan Idaho takes the scouting party to go and meet the Fremen on Arrakis already, the Fremen are the indigenous people of Arrakis so they head over there and Paul has to stay behind. But Paul is tested... Yes. ...by the Reverend Mother of the Benning Gesserit... Correct. ...who is called Gaius Mahiam. Yes. Um,
1: Can I put out... You've, you've missed one of the... Um,
0: what have I missed?
1: So we spoke about before... Before on air... About the effects. Right. You've missed one of probably the worst effects in which is what which is the weird rectangle shield
0: that they have oh no (laughs) not the shield not the shield right right Gurney Halleck says alright Paul you think you're a good fighter let's test it out so they not only do they they make him fight this weird sort of pole with sticks on it that moves and and he has to use this sort of gauntlet blaster to fire it to fire it because the emperor says oh the Atreides are using some sort of secret weapon using sound which as far as I know doesn't exist in the books yeah probably not Um, but they use this sort of gun which fires um, sound as a weapon and he has to go ha ha to fire the gun right
1: which must have been great if you're an actor
0: nothing's happening there's no effect you're just going ha ha and there's nothing's happening right so anyway, he has to fight this weird pole. It's kind of those things that like martial artists use. Yeah. But it's got blades on it, whatever. Anyway, and then Gurney <laughs> Alec is like, "All right, get your sword out." So anyway, they get out there, they get out their blades, and they have to fight with shields. Now yeah. shields exist a lot in the books, and they're meant to be kind of a um, a technology that protects yourself from sort of projectile weaponry and things like that. But because only a slow blade will go through the shield, yes. if it's a high velocity attack, it will be blocked. So, again, the shields do not come up throughout the rest of the film. This no. is the only scene that they're they're featured. They
1: appear once more. Right. And I've written down okay. because it's the stupidest scene in the whole film.
0: Right. And compared to this stupid scene yes. where we see Patrick Stewart as a Roblox man yes. <laughs> fighting Paul Atreides, was also a Roblox man, yes. in their sort of 8-bit shields, their, their clunky noises. They make.
1: It appears once more.
0: And they're weird noises. They're bashing and crashing against each other, and it's just dong, dong, yeah. dong. And they're kind of—it's it, so weird. They do it so much better in the 2021 version, where it's kind of just—I like would a hope blue, so. It's kind of just like a blue force field around you. <laughs> yeah. And when it's slow, the blue turns to red, and that's a really smart way to do it. But this is like—they're kind of in these sort of orange. It's like they're the—it's like they're the mosquito from Jurassic Park. Yeah. And they're covered in the orange goo. It's like they're in an orange box, and they're fighting another man in an orange box. <laughs> So that's the the shield. I can't believe I missed the shield scene.
1: It's fine, I got you. But
0: those are the shields. (laughs) I got you. And then Gaius (laughs) Mahayim says, put your own in this box, Paul. Yes. And he puts it in, and it hurts. They go, ah, but, he, yes. but, if, but if he moves, he's going to use the, the gomjabar, I yes, think it's called the gomjabar, gom which is the killing needle, and yes. it's going to stab you. So you've got to watch out. So he has to resist the fear. He says, fear is the mind killer. That's what he says. So they go, right, okay, off to Arrakis. So they get, he gets in his ship in the frigates, and they fly up to the the guild hayliner. That's what it's called. And it's this massive transport ship that, that, that folds space. Because Guild navigators use the ability to fold space, which is like to teleport you, I guess. Yeah, um, and Edric comes out and he and he shoots a laser from his mouth and he kind of gets absorbed in this blue ray and then they teleport over to Arrakis, right? Correct. And we haven't even mentioned that the, the Harkonnens uh, are busy plotting. There's uh Piter de Vries, which yep. is the character that uh Brad Dourif plays. And then we have the uh, the baron harkonnen himself who is just uh, just a f- big disgusting man yeah he's just in his big chair he, he hovers he does he, he uses um i think it's called like sensor technology or something like no no like levitator or whatever and he can basically hover up because he's and uh, he's uh big and he covers himself in black goo yep and he's got loads of pustules on yes. him to make him look really disgusting and really horrible and for some reason, all the hard are gingers. Yeah. So take take with that what you will. <laughs> then we have his uh, nephew Raban and his other nephew Fade Ralpher. Yep. Who is Sting? Yes. From the police. Exactly. The the police are coming to do 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 to da da da. Correct. The. <laughs> so we have Sting, who is another, who's just another star of this film. I yeah. think Sting does really really good in this one. A little uh, note here. Another note about Patrick Stewart, uh, a bit of trivia, Patrick Stewart was at the time completely unfamiliar with who Sting was (laughs) and who he was as a magician, so when they met on set, Patrick Stewart asked him if he was a solo artist, to which Sting replied that he's in a band called The Police. Patrick Stewart, I'm totally unaware of this, thought Sting played in a police band.
1: Oh, nice. And
0: not actually in a band called The Police. Nice. (laughs) There we go. Yeah. And then on Arrakis they meet um Stilgar, who is the uh leader of the leader of the um of the Fremen. Yeah. Because uh Duncan, Idaho, I'm struggling with these names. Duncan, Idaho <laughs> has already been on Arrakis <laughs> yes. to uh to basically make sure that the Fremen are gonna be aligned with the Atreides, because the Atreides know an attack is coming. Yes. They fear that there's a trap when they arrive on Arrakis, so they have uh Made an alliance with the Fremen, so the Fremen will sort of protect them and make sure that you know they don't uh, get attacked when they're harvesting the uh, when they're harvesting all the spice that they yeah. need for the Imperium. Right. So while they're on Ar- um, Arrakis, there's I think there's a supply. I know that um, very famous uh, character actress uh, Linda Hunt is in this film. She's a um, she plays Mapes. Yeah. And I forget what their plot is, but I think it's... I think it's to do with uh, the Quizzas Hadarak. Yeah. Which is the Bene Gesserit have a plan to basically create the perfect human or the perfect sort of uh, Bene Gesserit um, follow the... Like the prophesied hero, you know, the chosen one which, type of thing.
1: Which one's Mapes again? Mapes the, the...
0: Sort of the, the... I think she's a Fremen... Um, she a servant. Servant, yes. Yeah.
1: So... Um, I've read parts of the book. We spoke about it outside. Right. I've read parts of the book. Um, she, in the book, is meant to kind... Yeah, she's looking for the Hazarak. and yes. She's kind of helping out Jessica. And she's... Me- uh, she requested to be Jessica's maid. Yeah. But she's actually trying to essentially just learn about Yes, because Jessica
0: was supposed to give birth to the... Correct. B- that's because that's because... For thousands and thousands of years, the Bene Gesserit have done a selective breeding program yep. to effectively to to create the chosen one. Yes. right. And, and they and it was have... supposed to have a daughter,
1: but she didn't because the duke wanted a boy. Because the
0: duke wanted a boy, and there yes. you go. So, <laughs> That's it. Beautifully explained there, my <laughs> Cory. <laughs> And That's what happens in yeah, the it film. It is what happened. Yeah, it is. You were supposed and to have a woman,
1: oh, be, but the Duke wanted a boy. There
0: because the because Ben can sort of influence every part of their body. They've yes. got special brains, and special yes. whatever. Ben, um, no and guy has survived. No guy has survived. Yeah, exactly. And while they're on um, Arrakis, which is done in <laughs> the the cinematography of this film, yeah, okay, is um, part of it is very good. Yep. Part of it is not the best. No. Now we know, obviously, this film wasn't very well critically no, received. No, it wasn't. Um,
1: I read that apparently even even on the box office when it first came out, it was. Uh, yeah, exactly. No one yes. went yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pretty much.
0: So the box office didn't really, didn't really, didn't really make up, and the reception wasn't as good either. So if you'd like to hear the opinion of esteemed uh, critic Roger Ebert, oh yeah, on this film, would you like to hear what he said. Go for it. And I quote, this is Roger Ebert speaking on June 1984. Go for it. Um, this movie is a real mess. An incomprehensible, ugly, unstructured, pointless excursion into the murkier realms of one of the most confusing screenplays of all time. So clearly he didn't rate the novel very highly. Uh, Ebert then added, the movie's plot will no doubt mean more to people who've read Herbert than to any of those who are walking in cold, which I feel is just probably a natural way to think about it. Very hard to explain something. Dune has been considered by many to be unfilmable. That's something that's also popped up with the novel quite a bit. Yeah. there's so much internal dialogue and so much already going on, so much that has gone on, so much going on in the in the novel, it's just hard to capture all of it.
1: Yeah, I mean one of the things that I can one of the things I get from books is if there's if there's internal dialogue in books, you don't question it. But there's certain scenes in this where like you'll see Paul, he'll talk, and then he'll freeze, and you hear his head. <laughs> but you're like, surely it'd be a bit awkward if someone to stop talking.
0: Roger Ebert named this the worst movie of the year. And, what else um, came out in 1984? In fam- and, and in their famous <laughs> American movie review program yeah. at the movies with Siskel and Ebert um, from 1982 to 1990, uh, Gene Siskel and Roger Ebert uh, reviewed this film and Siskel had to say, and I quote, It's physically ugly. It contains at least a dozen gory, gross-out scenes. Some of its special effects are cheap, surprisingly cheap, because this film costed a reported 40 to $45 million, and its story is confusing beyond belief. In case I haven't made myself clear, I hated watching this film. Okay. Very strong words there from Cisco. The yes, yeah, very strong words. So, the film was later listed by them as the worst film of 1984 yep. and the biggest disappointment of the year. Okay. So... Uh, and if you'd like to, re- Janet Maslin of the New York Times, <laughs> also get laughing at her name, um, also gave Dune a negative review with I'm, one I'm,
1: star out of five. I'm laughing because you just have reviews pulled up.
0: Yeah, uh, she said that several of the characters in Dune are psychic, which puts them in a unique position to be able to understand what goes on in the movie. So that's <laughs> so she's obviously saying that um, no one else will. Yes. Um, it's perilously overloaded, as 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 is virtually everything else about it. Okay. So, I mean... the, uh, if you like to hear Variety's thoughts on oh um, Dune, it's huge, hollow, imaginative, and cold sci-fi epic, visually unique, and teeming with incident. David Leach, David sorry, <laughs> David Lynch's film holds interest due to its <laughs> abundant surface attractions, but won't of its own accord create the same sort of fantasism that has made Frank Herbert's 1965 novel of the one of the all-time favorites in its genre. Okay, so there we go. Just as an extra. Extra point. It's not a review, but David Lynch was actually approached to direct Return of the Jedi at this same year. I think Return of the Jedi was nineteen eighty-three, and he turned it down to do this. Whether that was his decision, and Richard Marquand was chosen in his place. Whether that, whether that was your decision or his, I don't know. But, yeah, um, I mean, whether that was a good decision or bad.
1: I don't know. Could you imagine? That? I can't really imagine David Lynch doing Star Wars. No, neither could no. I. It's
0: always been a George Lucas kind of... Yeah. Uh, someone once told me that most of the directors of the original trilogy were sort of directors in name only. Yeah. You know, like Irvin Kirshner and um, Richard Marquand were only sort of hired to... many mo- As most of the MCU directors are today to just carry out the vision of yeah. George Lucas, which is, in Marvel's terms, Kevin Feige. Yes. But let's go back, let's step back into the events of, of Dune. <laughs> where do we get to? Um, we to goodness, <laughs> I think we were talking about Mapes, so we yes. can assume that we're on to the sort of the Kwisatz Haderach yes. and the what the Bene Gesserit are up to. Correct. And meanwhile, um, Paul's been having these visions. Paul's yes. been having these visions of this woman called Cheney, who's, a, who's yeah. a Fremen girl. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot
1: about the one bit at the start where Sting appears. What? Do you not remember? There's one vision at the start. Where he, he stings in the vision? Yeah, it's literally, he falls asleep and Sting goes, I will kill you, and then he disappears.
0: Oh, right. okay. And that's it. <laughs>
1: okay. Well, they duel at the end. People yeah, do. So I, I assume it's supposed to call back to that. Like right, little, okay. But it just felt really weird.
0: because Yeah, they, yeah, because they create... Um... And also, if you're wondering, the Dune universe is without droids, robots, AI. Yes. This is due to something called the Butlerian Jihad, mm-hmm. which is a sort of a a thousand year war against the machines yeah. because certain planets um, as planets that Edric mentions at the start Rich S and X create these sort of machines in man's image and they become like they become sentient and they wage war and so the whole of the known universe has to unite to defeat them in what's known as the putler jihad so yes. there you go there are no and in their place sort of human computers which are the which are the mentats and the navigators who can sort of do what technology does but they're humans Yeah by using massive amounts of drugs, <laughs> which is what Spice is and what... Um, whatever whatever Brad Dourif's drinking at the start on Giedi Prime, the yeah. sort of red liquid that turns his lips red and, and his, gives him big eyebrows, that kind of thing. Everyone's using drugs. Everybody's on drugs in Dune, which I think is an, probably the best thing I can say about it. Pretty much. <laughs> Apart from the fact that it's people thinking things, which yes. what you said. Then we see the planet of uh Getty Prime which is where the Harkonnens are from. Correct. And it's the fact that the they're in this green room. And I and I I I don't know if this is true, <laughs> but I've heard that that was supposed to be green screen out and it wasn't. <laughs> they just left it bright green.
1: <laughs> it you know why it not Because it, it looked
0: there. like a sci-fi kind yeah. of, you know, green room like but there's no green screen effect on it whatsoever. I don't know. Which, I mean, <laughs> and Apparently, David Lynch did not like directing this film. No. Uh, he didn't really speak very highly of it, up to the point we did the famous Hollywood thing of on some DVD releases, crediting the direction to Alan Smithy, yeah, who does not exist.
1: Well, Alan Smithy is... There was a director at right. some point called Alan Smithy, who then... I've got a feeling, I could be wrong sued people because he is an actual person. Right. And was like, I don't don't want people using my name on his really bad Mm. film. You stop using... Even though they were obviously using his name because he didn't exist at that point. But I think Mm. it was, at one point, a Adam Smithy. Yes. Yeah.
0: David Lynch said he considers this film to be his only real failure in his career. Uh, To this day, he refuses to talk about the production in great detail and has refused numerous (laughs) offers to work on a special edition DVD of this film. Fair enough. Um... As David Lynch has said, it would be a, pain, a too painful of an experience to endure, and many fans hope that one day he will eventually come around on this film. I think he'll be too too busy saying it's Friday once again on Twitter yeah, to uh, to be thinking about Dune. To be but, fair, it's what and the fact that um, 40 years
1: well nearly four years ago now.
0: Yeah, yeah, and the fact that the 2021 version has blown this one out of the water in pretty much every single way. So. Even though I've heard people who criticise the twenty one version more than this film, and say the twenty one version is all about you know style and no substance, yeah, where this is more about you know the plot and the the story of it, I guess. So, uh, Paul gets affi- affiliated with the Fremen, yes, and he takes on the name Paul Moadib yep. after the uh, the little mouse, ma- mice mouse that live on the moon, or and something. the moon, yeah. Well, no, there's there is actually the mouse the mice that live on uh, Dune are called yeah. Are called Muad'Dib but also there's a there's one of them that looks like the in them on the moon. Yeah, there's also called Muad'Dib So anyway, he takes on that name, and he begins to lead the Fremen in uh, a crusade against the 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 power of um, the Emperor and Correct. the Imperium. Yes, because the Harkonnens do actually carry out their attack, managed uh, using Doctor Yui. Yep who is a um, who is a souk doctor. They don't think will betray them. Yeah. Because he has the souk conditioning, which is the imperial conditioning, which means he cannot betray his uh, masters. Yes. But he does betray them because they have his wife hostage. Correct. Actually, in the 2021 version, they turn his wife into a mutant spider. Did you know that? Uh,
1: Again, in the book, it's mentioned early on, I think his wife's dead.
0: Yeah, book. I think his wife's dead. But... But they but the Harkonnens say that they have her. and. Yeah. and and that there's enough for Yui to betray them, to betray the Atreides and allow the uh, uh, Harkonnens to return to Arrakis and Correct. attack.
1: I think it's also this point. I think it's the attack from the Harkonnens mm. where the shield appears again. Right. Um, I've tried searching YouTube. I cannot find a clip of this. Right. What happens with the shields? So, um, Duncan's back. Yes. Yep. Duncan Idaho. Um... And I kid you not, there's, stu- there's this fighting going on. Fight. They're, like, firing their whatever voice... Their, their yeah, their and voice then, like, cannons.
0: Oh, you know. It cuts
1: to these Harkonnens, mm. and all of a sudden, just a guy with a full shield on just, like tackles four like just comes barreling through and just tackles four people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it cuts to something else. Right. So all you see is just this big rectangle shield just ram into people and just disappears again. Okay. And then he's I think Duncan later
0: dies. Yeah, he does. He does he dies in that fight. Yeah. Um he's he's later brought back in the other novels, but <laughs> hey, it's like a clone <laughs> called a gola. but right. hey, Uh and Obviously, the Emperor has um, contributed to this attack by giving them his so yes. who are just as ineffective as you can imagine. Yeah. They're basically like just stormtroopers. I like running. how
1: we also see the Emperor twice. We see him first off saying, this is my plan. At the start. And then yeah. we see him at the end where we're like, yeah, you need to uh, you need to act on this now. Yeah. <laughs> and that's it. your plans will
0: come apart, Emperor. Yeah. Your plans come apart. <laughs> Great. Because of... Um, <laughs> Uh, Paul Muad'Dib has, yes. has learned to ride the sandworms. You know, haven't talked. We've we've we talked about this, We, we not about that. the sandworms. Yeah, <laughs> the sandworms are probably the most one of the most ubiquitous things yes. they do, and they're one of the most famous, yeah. you know, IPs of the property, right? These great sandworms who live in the sands of Arrakis and actually produce the spice. Yeah, their cycle, their life cycle, actually creates the spice itself, and they're known to as deities, of godlike figures of the Fremen. Right, so. These sandworms go yep. around in the sand, and they've got big mouths. Yes. And they've got like the big, you know, three things. Uh, I think in the 2021 version they just have sort of loads of teeth, like yeah, a but, uh... boring more. But here they actually have a mouth that can open and close like a like a beak, and they go around. And Paul learns to ride them. He yes. can ride his sandworms into battle. Right. So he rides these big creatures, and it's the very famous line of the the Fat Boy Slim song, weapon of choice. Which is walk without rhythm and you won't attract the worm. Yes. Which is uh, from Dune, and it's clear here if you the the worms are attracted to rhythm. Yes. So marching vehicles, things like that that have rhythm, that's what the worms you know like, and they use devices called thump. The yep. Fremen use device devices called thumpers, which are like sticks that you stick in the ground, and then it makes a makes a beat, and the worms like that, so the worms go over to it. So. And that's what Paul says. That line: If you walk without any rhythm, you sort of scuttle. Yes. The worms won't won't notice. And if you have to, if you actually the the music video to "Weapon of Choice" has Christopher Walken in it. It does. Who's been cast as Emperor Emperor Shardom IV the Fourth in Dune Part Two coming in twenty twenty three? So there we go, connection there. Uh, another connection is if you're sort of um, Sting's character, yep. Fade Ralpha, who is uh, the nephew of um, Baron Harkonnen. Correct. And uh, one of the villains of this film. Yes. It's also he's... older in this film. Uh, pardon?
1: In the books. So They're supposed to be like teenagers. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. Of, of course.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Of course. Well, actually, that works pretty well because um, the casting for Dune 2023 yep. has uh, been revealed. Of course, we've got Christopher Walken and um, we've got uh, Florence Pugh with Princess yep. Irulan. We also have a chap called Austin Butler. Are you familiar with Austin know Butler? know the name. Right. You'll have known him because he was in the Elvis biopic. Ah. He played Elvis. Okay. So he's been cast as Fade Ralther, and many, you know, girls on Twitter are hoping that he may reenact the famous sting scene of him in the steam bath with the shorts. Anyway, let's move on and. See, um, I
1: just thought that was a weird, just thing that David, David Lynch, Lynch, Lynch has put scene. In. You know what sting? <laughs> where these?
0: Well, actually, interesting story behind that. Yeah, um, go on.
1: The sting just turned up in the once, and David front. Yeah, you're well, in.
0: Well, <laughs> well, it's basically kind of. It's basically like that. Oh, okay. Actually, it's effectively like that. Um, it turns out that in the actual, see, let me actually try and find this yeah. piece of trivia here for you. Go for it. So, did you know initially that Ridley Scott was going to yes. direct this film?
1: Yes, and also apparently it was supposed to be like a trilogy or something.
0: Yeah, it was. was, uh, it was apparently a sequel was planned. Yes, but it never actually went anywhere. No. So, probably because this film was so, probably because this film was considered quite a, considered yeah. a flop by many. Exactly. Now. The, the famous scene of Sting in the bath yeah. uh, with the shorts on correct, um, was apparently supposed to be a nude scene. <laughs> Sting had signed on and agreed to shoot the scene nude, um, but the studio eventually panicked and told the costume designers that they had to put something on him.
1: So they just put a massive blue underwear. Massive blue <laughs> underwear. His
0: tighty-whities, his big blue trunks, he's coming out in them. And then Baron's, Baron Arcanon is just salivating. Yeah, he's there. So, He's just like, oh, fade, oh, yeah. the whole time, and he's flying around. He's spewing black goo from his from his body, all that type of stuff. Yes, he's just repulsive. He's turn- You know what? What's the fun? The fun of the funniest images is at the end of Dune, where the Emperor is there and all of the Emperor's people, and they're all in like. Fancy, fancy dress and capes and yeah. the military jackets and all that. And this big, this big balloon idiot is just flying around like, oh! He's like he's a cartoon character.
1: <laughs> it's, it's summon. It, you know,
0: he might be my favourite. Yeah? I feel like I might like the Baron as my favourite, just because of how ridiculous he is. <laughs> because in the book. He's meant to be this master manipulator. Yes. Like he can talk the ear off anything. And I know in the, well obviously Stalin Skarsgård plays him in the newer Dune, and he doesn't say much. Yeah. But in this, in the novel, and in this, he he has grand speeches and he, he does. speaks because it's about the fact that the message of Dune is to not trust your leaders, and the fact that Baron Harkonnen has able to manipulate people through his words and able to uh, sort of conscrew different um, differing opinions and things like that. Uh, is very true to um, the style of most political leaders. Yes. So. Did you have any other notes? Uh, a couple of your memorial notes, Corey.
1: What have we gone through? Uh, shield, uh, Harkonnen, uh, Shields, Harkonnen. Shields. Shields again. Shields. Um, uh, Paul has a sister.
0: Paul has, yes. Paul has, I've forgotten her name. I think it's A. Oh, I don't know what it is. name is. I think even today, yes. she's a little girl yeah. and she grows up in the sequel novels um, and eventually becomes possessed by the spirit of Baron Harkonnen yeah. so, and then has to commit suicide because the spirit will leave her alone. But that is, um, her sister's just a baby in this yes. and she has obviously the blue eyes of when you get affected by spice. Like It happens to them all eventually because the longer you stay on a rack, the more spice you're inhaling and yeah. stuff like that and the more drugs you're on. And then they all get the blue eyes, which is instinctive. of. It's called The Eyes of Ibad, I believe it's yeah. called. It's also called Blue on Blue, uh, where you have some blue eyes because of it. Yes. Um, so. But he has
1: a sister. She disappears at the end. She does? She disappears. She disappears at the end. Um, all right. Yep. Tells the baron to wait for her brother to turn up. Yep. Um, and then
0: kills him with the yeah. With the bar with the needle.
1: Yes. And then he flies out the room and gets eaten room. by a worm. He does. <laughs> Because, of he does. Yes, indeed. Um, other than that, uh, Paul can use his voice. I forgot what it's called. It's called the voice. Oh, okay, it's called because I had it written down as a voice, but the I voice. The voice. It is yeah. called
0: the voice. It's not called anything. It's not called anything weird name. Yeah. It's just called the voice. And it's basically it's the Benny Jesuit technique of. It's yeah. like a Jedi mind trick. Is Pretty much. It to someone. It's like a Jedi mind trick. It's like you will pass yeah. me the water, and you know, then you say it. But the voice just sounds terrifying in this. It does. It's like who oh, wants And I'm like, oh my god, you know. Guys, Mahayam shouting at people. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Other than that, that's pretty much all I've got. Bit of rectangles. Uh, Gurney comes back. Yep. Because he appears at the end again.
0: Gurney turns up again.
1: And it's like, oh. All oh, right, Patrick he's, Stewart. He's like, oh, Paul. Like, I oh. will
0: fight people. Doesn't he try to put himself up in the, the, the trial by combat they have at the end? Yes. Yeah. And, um. Yeah. He
1: says that. Um. Sting, whatever his name, Fade, Fade. is a uh, Harkonnen animal. Yes. So he wants to fight him, and Paul doesn't even doesn't even imply. No, <laughs> doesn't even acknowledge it. Doesn't even
0: acknowledge. <laughs> Sorry, Patrick Stewart, you aren't the right Patrick Stewart. Um, um, uh, Max he, von Sydow is in this film. Yeah, are you aware of that? No. Uh, he plays Doctor Kynes, oh, okay. who is the fremen doctor. Okay. Um, and uh, yes, Max von Sydow. Apparently, Max von Sydow hated the hated the still suit costume. You know the still suits that they yeah. wear on Arrakis. Um, apparently, he hated that, but he liked how his body looked in it. Oh, okay. So, there you go. So, he put up with wearing them. <laughs> of course, they're very sort of tight-fitting. Yeah, yeah. And uh, because, obviously, you're in the desert and it's a very dry heat. Yes. So, it has to conserve water. Sort of like your body's water and, you know, all of your excesses, let's call them. Yeah. Um, are converted into, into water, which yes. is nice.
1: And you have to stick a tube up your nose.
0: You do have to stick a tube up your nose. So, that's what we've got for that. And... Is there any other notes that you had? on? That's
1: pretty much it. To be fair, the film got to a point where it was too weird that I stopped making notes.
0: Right, okay. But <laughs> so, you know what? I'm going to pack it in. Yeah. I'm going to stop making notes. And then by the end of the film, uh, Paul Atreides is elected emperor. Yes. Because he beats... Yes, um, Fade. He beats Fade And all of the Carinos are banished to Seleucus Secundus. Yeah. Which is their sort of ancestral planet, which is now kind of used as an, as an exile world. And now Paul Muad'Dib is emperor of the of the known universe. Yeah, there he goes. And for the next twelve years, he goes on a ruthless jihad, <laughs> purges several planets, and kills <laughs> millions of billions of people. And you know, then his son becomes a giant worm. Yeah.
1: Well. So, <laughs> sadly, David Lynch didn't get that far. No, he didn't
0: get that far. Didn't get that far, did he? <laughs> but I wonder whether Corey will get far on. It's a weekly rec. Rating. Well, before that, I I was segueing, I was segueing. I want to I was segueing. Oh, I, sure. I, was segueing. <laughs> I don't know about that. I was. <laughs> I was gonna go rec rating. I was okay. I was I was stepping into the rating okay. right now. Didn't you need to remind me? You said that with a very <laughs> stern tone of voice, scoring. Yes. I was about to segue into it. Okay. I didn't forget, I didn't forget, I didn't forget. Right. I didn't forget. I did not forget. Right. Real rating for yep. Dune 1984. Yep. Would you like me to go first or show you?
1: Uh,
0: I can go first. Go first. I'm really sorry. because I like. Right. Neither's mine. Okay. I'm going to say that I like Dune. <laughs> I love the books, right? I love Frank Herbert's world. Oh. I love the dune universe I'm... That's Dune-iverse. That's I, I, go I, dune I, I got right. that. <laughs> I love the dune universe I love the characters. I love the world. I love the lore. I'm a big fan of sci-fi lore. You know me. Yes. Um... I love all the different religions and the different influences that Frank Herbert took from things around the world. Yep. From the stories of heroism and the Middle East and the Islamic influences, the linguistics, there's hundreds of words of of language and knowledge and there's historic influences. There's things about Zen and and their Sunni adherence and religion and It's got a great legacy of the books, Judaism and Judaism. There's loads of religious influences to Dune. Correct. um, There's great themes in it. There's there's themes of of declining empires and environmentalism and ecology. And there's so much. um, It's one of the landmarks of science fiction. It's one of the first ever science fiction properties ever made. And it's inspired Star Wars and Star Trek. And Warhammer 40k, and basically any sci-fi property you see nowadays will have something from Dune in it. Will have some sort of influence by Dune. And I cannot get enough of Frank Herbert's world, or what he was inspired by, and just just the man himself, and every single piece, every single piece of work that's come out of this universe. Right. That being said, yeah, four point five. I'm gonna give it a five. Right. <laughs>
1: I to be fair, I was
0: expecting worse.
1: I thought you were going to be like, oh yeah, this film is like story wise bad, but it's just really, really great. So
0: I cannot overlook the the insanity. I
1: I thought I was going to upset you by giving it a five. No, you aren't going to
0: upset me. I was, I was, I brought it down. (laughs) I was going to give it a five, and I thought I cannot forgive. I was
1: going to give it a four or four point five. Four point five is always going to get from me. The last half an hour was at least somewhat enjoyable. Right. So I bumped it up a little bit.
0: I'd say probably the opposite for me. I'd probably like the first half more than the second.
1: I thought the first half was a bit slow. Right. And then as soon as he, like, teaches people his weapons and he yeah, rides the worm, yeah. I thought, okay, it's at least picking up a little right. bit. Right. It just slowed down again by the end. But Okay. it's a little little, little 10-minute, like, chunk, which is all right. All
0: right. Well, there are real ratings, agree or disagree. Yes. And you're, now we will segue to the weekly rec. What is your weekly rec?
1: So... I had a couple ideas for a weekly rec before the show, mm-hmm. and I told myself, if if we have access and if you're on YouTube, you won't you will not hear the song, but I applaud you to look it up. Um, if we had access to a certain song, I will pick the Weekly Rec, which is the same name, but the song is from. Right. Um, they have the song, so if you're on radio, we'll mm. be playing afterwards. Um, and so I don't think this is, this is unexpected. It's not related to Dune. In the normal sense, people like it so. I'm going to take us back to 1984, unless you're in the UK and the film came out 1985. Right. But the actual initial release, it was 1984. Um, in other countries, I assume probably America or maybe I think Sweden or Finland because this is also a book adaptation. The book is not English. I think it's Swedish or it's Finnish or it's Norway. It's somewhere around that area. Um, So, 1984 film adaptation with also one of the catchiest songs out there and if you're anyone who has listened to anything from the 80s or 90s or maybe even lived through the 80s or 90s you're probably going to be annoyed by this song. Um, So anyone out there who's listening, I apologise. I'm going to recommend The NeverEnding Story. Okay. From 1984. The film, okay, I see. Are you aware of The NeverEnding Story? Of course I am, of course I am. With the big
0: dog. The big dog. And the turtle. And the horse. Yes. So... I give mean, us your thoughts
1: so I'm recommending a film I've read the book it's mm-hmm. the best I didn't realise it. it's a chunky book it's like 500 pages so
0: it? is Dune Dune is 500 yeah. pages as well it's
1: a chunky book Um film is an hour and a half it's nice and short it's just a
0: good film isn't fun. that isn't that an indicator just to, didn't want to stop you isn't that an indicator <laughs> the never ending story is an hour and a half yeah. for a 500 word book yeah. <laughs> and Dune is about 2 hours 30 <laughs> for a 500 word, yeah. 500 page book sorry
1: in, it's, it's just a good film. It's just fun. It's just fun. It's just a nice, I'm about to call it a nice frolic. Nice. Um, it's just, it's just a, you can sit back, relax if you want to take your mind off things Real for like an rating? hour and a half. I would give it seven, maybe seven point five.
0: Right, we'll go for the higher one. Okay, seven point five.
1: But yeah, it's just a good film. I kind highly of recommend anyone to seek it out if you have not
0: seen it. Great, the Neverending Story. I wonder if we can pair it up with the song, the Neverending Story. Oh, we Story. Really have the song. Right. Okay. Well, look forward to that. Yes. And if you uh, if you're watching this on our podcast version, I mean, you know, just listen to the Neverending Story song because it's yeah. good. Yeah. But those was our thoughts on Dune. Um, any 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 parting words to leave us with? Parting thoughts. That Toto did the soundtrack. <laughs> I did see that. I was waiting to bring that up. I saw. I think
1: I saw it before, and I thought, "Nah." I thought it's just different. It must be different Toto. Different
0: Toto. Toto Africa. Toto hold the line. (laughs) Any more? No, no, that's it. That's all I can think of at the minute. Rosanna. Rosanna. There you go. (laughs) Thank you. So, it is the it is the Toto. Yes. And honestly, it is the this film is a collection of. Random things, random people that you would never expect to be together. The David thing, Lynch, yeah. Toto, Sting, you know, Pat- Sir Patrick Stewart.
1: The thing that I find really upsetting, Dune, is that you have John Williams, who's doing Star Wars. Yes,
0: at this very time, he was doing Star um,
1: Wars, and meanwhile, his son is is doing Dune. Yeah, so to- yeah, of course. The thing, yeah. If anyone is unaware, the singer of Toto is the son of John Williams. Mm. <laughs> if you're unaware, and he's sat here. Just doing
0: Dune. Isn't that reflective? I feel like that's <laughs> reflective in some way. That Dune has kind of become... Because for, for how famous it was yeah. in 1965 and the 70s, it's faded into a very sort of niche thing, whereas almost its successor, which is Star Wars, has become far more yeah. far more renowned. Yeah. Which I feel like puts me in a bit of a melancholy mood, really. Because <laughs> I love... Like, don't get me wrong, I adore Star Wars. I adore it with all my heart. But it's kind of sad to see Dune kind of fade into kind of a nicheness where people yeah. haven't heard of it now. Like, this book came out in 1965. Yeah. That's before the majority of probably every sci-fi major sci-fi property we're hearing about nowadays. Yeah. And I just feel like it just puts me in bad spirits sometimes to think that's, about. That's And that. I wish more people knew. And I'm really glad for the Oscars that, that Dune 2021 has won and the release of Dune 2023 Part 2. Yeah. However, those were our thoughts on Dune 1984. Uh, We hope you enjoyed, and we hope that you'll stick around to uh, watch some more real show, listen to some more real show in the future. So, it's a goodbye from me, goodbye, and a goodbye from Corey. Goodbye.